Welcome back to the podcast for all the people with jobs or without jobs. Yo, we're back. It's the Unemployed Podcast. I'm your girl, Anna Roisman. I'm here with Ellen Burke. Ellen, how are you? I'm good. Can you imagine never having a job? That would be amazing. Mm, I can, actually. You know, it, it is amazing. If you have savings, it is amazing. You know what I mean? Like, if you are rich as fuck... Yeah, don't have a job. Why would you have a job? You got money. Uh, we were talking about Tom Hanks' son the other day, right? What was his name? Chet. Chet Hanks. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. I, I, was like, like, I love Chet Hanks. That guy has probably never had a job. But then I was looking through his Instagram account, and I saw that he, like, acted in something. So I guess that qualifies oh. as a job. My bad. And I, when you said that to me, I was like, oh, my God. I want him on the podcast. We need to get that Chet Hanks on the podcast. Yeah. Imagine the interview. I, I, You know, he might break into song halfway through. You never know. This guy is so unpredictable, and I love that about him. And, like, you know, we have such an image of Tom Hanks, and it's just so funny to compare his son, like, to him. Not compare, but, you I know, just... Help. You have to compare. He's Because Tom I'm Hanks just is, to be like, like, kind of a perfect person, <sighs> and Chet Hanks is, like, the opposite He's so cringy. But I got to say, Rita Wilson, Rita Wilson will spit some raps. You know what I mean? She was a guest judge on Masked Singer the other yeah. week, and she started rapping. She sings. She does it all. So she's the, like, musical one. Oh, you know what I'm okay. saying? Okay. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Not. Yeah. Hey, listeners out there, if you guys have any connections to Chet Hanks, we are looking to book him. So please let us know. Send us an email. Contact us. Yeah. Um, Speaking of our listeners, Ellen, you wanted to start something, which I, I've seen other podcasts do, and I think we should totally do it. I think it's, we should have this hotline, like you're saying, mm-hmm. an anonymous hotline. People can call and bitch out their bosses. They can tell us the craziest shit that's happening to them at work or happened to them. It's an anonymous line. Yeah. And uh, maybe we'll talk about some of them on the podcast, because I feel like yeah. I need that always. I need a place to bitch about Yeah, work. I would love this uh, to happen. Uh, I got to figure out how to set it up real quick but uh yeah i will i think we can do a number over google or something uh, yeah totally yeah that's the easiest way probably but um yeah it could be anonymous or you could like introduce yourself whatever yeah and if your story is great and you introduce yourself maybe we'll have you on like to talk about it because you know sometimes people tell us stories and we're like hold up i have some questions about this situation Mm -hmm. yeah yeah definitely um especially with people like going back to work i feel like some people are showing up at offices again or Mm -hmm. going back to the restaurants or bars they worked at and like we've the last year we've been changed mentally as much as we want to be normal and be like oh yeah like it's cool i'm going to work again like it's a hard transition, I think, no matter what, mm-hmm. you know, no matter what you do, like showing up somewhere is is different. Everything feels different, yeah. you know, than it than it used uh, to. And I'd love to talk to people about yeah. that. Uh, like I was saying before we started recording, I went to a club last night um, where usually yes. like <laughs> Ellen's a clubber. <laughs> Ellen's so cool. That's why I like well, you. My boyfriend's a DJ. <laughs> Uh, but usually in like normal times, people would be dancing in this place, but it's like not allowed right now in New York. So, um, the bouncer and bartender would have to come through and be like, stop dancing when people would try to start dancing to the music that was playing there. And I just, that's so awkward. That's become the bouncer's job. Like like, stop dancing when normally they like check IDs and like kick out, you know, drunk people. Yeah. I just thought that must be so annoying for them. I felt really bad. Yeah. 
Yeah, like stop participating in the social activity you came here to do. Stop it. Yeah, it's so so lame. <laughs> Feels like Footloose, you know the movie exactly. Footloose. The whole, it is. The town is not allowed to dance. <laughs> we don't dance around here. I've actually never seen Footloose. I need to put that on my list. Oh. Yeah. Ellen, it's a good one. Yeah. I know Ellen keeps a list and she checks them off. Mm-hmm. I still want to do our, our, our movie podcast, like our unemployed movie spinoff podcast. I think we need to do it's it. It's all about nine to five. I actually listened to a podcast about nine to five the other day, like a podcast really? episode that was really interesting. Oh. Yeah. Uh, That's cool. Yeah. It was really interesting. Uh, I'm trying to remember a few facts that I learned. Um, Remember we talked about the the video that we saw the yeah, like Netflix, they, men- they the mentioned Netflix. that uh, that commercial, the commercial in the podcast too and they also thought it was like really depressing I was like yes it is really depressing yeah uh, but for such a good song you know what I mean like such a joyful song it was mm-hmm. like what the fuck so nine to five was like the name of this woman's um, rights group or something. Mm. In, I want to say Boston, maybe. I'm probably okay. getting all the facts wrong. But that's, like, where the idea came from. Got yeah. it. Got it. Nine to five. I've never been a nine to fiver. And if I was, I definitely wasn't. I was, like, a 940 to, you know, 450. You know what I mean? I'm a 10 to sixer. <laughs> 10 to six, yes. I was an 830 to 530-er. On paper, you know what I'm saying? Nine to five on paper. Anna Roisman, nine to five. She's never seen those numbers in her life. Like, nah. and that's probably why I couldn't hold the job. You know, uh, you, you can only use you've hold you've held down a job before. Come on, Anna, don't show yourself I, short here. No, but I'm saying my day job. I was never on time for eight thirty. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, well, you know. I would be like, wait, eight uh, thirty. I thought it was it was eight thirty to like six or something. I was like, I, I thought it was nine to five. You know, like the song. And they're like, no, you're a fucking half hour late, like at least four days a week. I guess if you're <laughs> the front desk person, you probably need to be there right at eight thirty. You know what? I, I blame them for giving me that position. I was supposed to be an assistant. You you like this face? You want it at the front? She not gonna be. It's not gonna be at eight thirty or okay. <laughs> just change your office hours. It's not that hard yeah yeah exactly uh and if you want to see this face right now yo sign up for that patreon we you know the patreon i i I plug it i chug it i leave it there i i put the videos up on there which i think are i think some people do enjoy watching podcasts rather than listening to them like i'm a visual person Mm -hmm. it's hard for me to listen to a podcast if it's a video i get very into it you know what i mean and i want to know like ooh, what's her plant behind her ellen and like is her hat navy or black i'm having trouble like I'm still li- navy blue. Yeah, <laughs> I'm still listening to it, but I like the visuals. So if you're like me, Anna Roisman, a visual learner, and you know takes it all in, then definitely check out that Patreon. Oh my God, fuck you, Jared. Jared is in the background shaking his head like I'm doing the worst promo. This is gonna be on this episode. Hey, Jared. Anyway, uh, uh, do you want to do this promo for us? <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. How about you donate to the fucking Patreon before you <laughs> criticize, asshole? Um. Anyway, yeah. Throw us a couple dollars. We love it. We need it. We could use it. And uh, I, you know, I, I, Ellen and I, we're gonna meet soon. We have plans for some fun podcast stuff. But I'm very excited for our episode today. 
say, oh my God. She is an old friend at this point, very old friend, but she is also a professional sommelier, a wine personality, a podcast host, a YouTube creator. I mean, she hosts the Wine Access podcast. She's amazing. I'm thrilled to have her. And she sent me wine, so officially number one guest on the pod. We've got Amanda McCrossin with us today. Hello. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. And yes, my MO these days is to not do any podcast without wine. I love why it. I did. I lightly suggested that I send you some. <laughs> she was like, can we drink? And if so, can I send? And I was like, yeah, I never thought of that before. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so thank you. That's amazing. It's the best. I highly, all you podcasters out there, I highly recommend it. You get a lot more juice out of your guests if you lube them you up. You really do. I've been guest. I've been a guest on other podcasts where they're like, I bought a bottle of wine. And I'm like, oh, cool. And then like by the end, I'm like, let me tell you about my family problems. You know, and they're like, um, <laughs> this podcast is about movies. Seriously. <laughs> Um, how are you? you? You're set up. I'm sorry. You guys, if you're not on the Patreon, you're missing out. Amanda looks like she's in a feature film right now. And Ellen and I are like, no offense, Ellen, but oh, you know, wow. we, we don't have this kind of a background right now. So <laughs> it's entirely selfish and vain because I don't want to, I, I always get on camera and I'm like, oh, I should have done my makeup better. So now I just have like invested in like a whole setup where I don't, I can like put filters and shit on and it's, you know, I, I look, I look like I didn't spend the night eating Chinese food and drinking wine like I did last Wait, night. So. I did that too. That's good. And um, then I had my yeah. leftovers like an hour ago and wow. I didn't put on makeup. So there you go. Well, you look amazing. For those of you who are on Patreon and watching, <laughs> Anna doesn't have makeup on, but I do and I have great lighting and we're basically equal at this point. So... Anna's winning. Um, I'm I'm in Napa, which is where I live now. I live in Napa Valley, and I I'm a full time wine drinker. So I I used to run a, a wine program at this restaurant called Press, and during that I started like my YouTube channel, and then got into like Instagram, and uh, I guess now I'm like an influence wine influencer of some sort. But I do a lot of different things. Like I host I host a podcast about wine where we bring on guests and make them drink wine, and we ask them questions and they answer. Um, and that's kind of what I'm up to. So you haven't missed much. I love it. It's so cool. And I love that you're in Napa. <laughs> and this is like your, I feel like you are like this, like, I don't know, this huge personality in this wine world. I'm like, yes, they got like, because I've worked in fine dining for many, I, I have worked in fine dining for many years. And our Psalms, let me tell you, our Psalms were uh-huh. not girls you want to like, hang out with all day long. You know what I mean? Like, I, like you and I can go out tonight yes. and like, you know, and I could be like, Oh my God, let's have a sleepover. Like you're fun. No, those Psalms were like, you know, these men who were so pretentious with their purple mouths and just like telling me what's right and wrong. And yes. I'm like, I'm so, I'm so glad you're breaking the mold for me at least right now. I don't know that you're a professional song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lots of Lots of uncomfortable gazes um, from, you know, <laughs> the men that you just mentioned. But yeah, I'm happy to break the mold. I, I loved, I love wine and I didn't know that I loved wine until I got into wine. And sort of like you, I had this, this notion of like what assembly was. And even, I mean, you and I grew up like kind of in the same ish yeah. area. Like there were sommeliers where we grew up like in Philadelphia. Yeah. So the only thing that I knew about assembly was like they existed on cruise ships and really fancy restaurants <laughs> and that was it. And then I got to New York And there were like, there were a few people that kind of broke the mold, but then I went into it at like 25 and I just looked at the industry and I was like, I mean, I feel like I could do this and like, I don't need to wear a suit and, you know, look a certain way and like be an uncomfortable guy who's got purple teeth all the time. So (laughs) yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. And then I think that's also why, like I started creating content on, on Instagram and, and YouTube because 
I kind of wanted it to exist when I was 25. Yeah. So I, I looked at where we were and I was like, well, I'll just make the things that I wanted when I was 25. So yeah, no, I, I'm, I, we get that a lot. Although there's a lot more people that look like me these days. There's a lot more people, you know, the industry has diversified. I'm a so bit, glad. Which is exciting. Well, especially, yes. you know, as social media gets more and more developed, as we have so many more platforms besides YouTube, you know, with Instagram and Twitter, whatever you yeah. want, like, you know, every industry I feel like has changed in a lot of ways because we have these, as you say, influencers and like, yeah, if you're, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm going to like, I, I already want your top, your, cause your background, like, look at you, you already know how to influence, you know, <laughs> we're like, oh, wine. Wow. Yeah. I'm thirsty now. I get it. I totally get it. Yeah. <laughs> but what's so funny is, uh, I want to take it back for a second. We have worked together yes. before many yep. moons ago. We can't <laughs> say what year. I don't want to, you know, we can't say what year, but it was 47 years ago, right? Uh, I couldn't even tell you how long. I was trying to think about what year that happened. I was like, I don't even have good I don't guess. even. I know it was before I lived in New York. That's, I was that's like say, the extent of like I was, when that I was going to say, I think I was living in New York because I would come in. Yeah, you were. And so, okay. Amanda and I both once aspired to be uh, musical theater stars. And we were in yes. a show. If you guys have seen it, if any of the listeners have seen it, you must, you must let us know. But we were in this show in a barn in the middle of Delaware called... Uh, Accurate. What was it called? The Candle... A Funny... Oh, the Candlelight Dinner Theater. The Candlelight Dinner Theater. It was a funny thing happened on the way to the Forum. Classic old musical show. We played the whores. (laughs) We played the slutty girls. You know what I was thinking? I I was just thinking before. I was like, this show is like highly cancelable. Like, is anyone able to do this show anymore? I know. We were legitimate whores up for sale. Like I had to do a dance to whore myself yes. out. Yes, and I remember, like I remember feeling there's talks of virgins even try even for the costume fitting when they were like, "What size bra are you?" Because that's all you'll be wearing, you know. Like it's it's a bra, <laughs> and like maybe we'll put some beads yeah. on it, you know. We were so naked. I mean, yeah. it's it's. But you had the cutest costumes of every because you were one of the twins, just, so you had like the white with like the blue crisscross thing yeah, going on. You at least had, you were like Jasmine though. Yeah. I remember you had like. Didn't you have yes. like cool like pants or like you had some bells was, or something? <laughs> yeah, I was like Ariel Jasmine. Like you put those two characters together and I had a I had a long yes. red wig that I'm fairly certain was from the Disney shop. And then I had this very uncomfortable and itchy pink skirt that did look like the Jasmine outfit. And it was like it was like a bra top, like you were explaining before, and then this pink skirt, and that was it. Nothing else in the middle. And that was like, it. I think I had bells, and that was it. Yeah, we were so naked. And by the end of the run, my wig was, like, so threadbare that, like, you could see my, like, uncomfortable blonde strands just peeking out. It was... It was a mess. But you should... We should rewind and, like, talk about that theater, because it... I mean, this... It's... It's it's memorable. It was the most... And it was my first... Was it your first... It was my first, like, regional theater job after graduating college. Like, this was the first show I booked. It, no, that was my... That was my... If you can believe it, I went back for a second time. That was my second time working oh, for Candlelight. I think I knew that. So that was What did my, you do with them the first time? I had done a few other regional things. I did Chicago. Oh. Um, also very naked in that show. But I danced a yeah. lot more. And I was, you know, less... I was a prisoner. Oh. I wasn't a whore. So that was a step up, I think. <laughs> You know, six of one, half a dozen of the other. Who cares? You you looked good. You know, we were young and hot. So at this point, I'm like, whatever. Those photos, uh, yeah. we look so cute in those photos. But um, we did look this cute. barn, I remember like they were always 86 pina coladas at the meetings before. 
Oh my gosh. You're going to remind me of so many things I forgot that were so good. You were very in tune with what was happening. I felt like I just tried not to think about what was going on, but you were always looking for the comedy, which was everywhere. And so in the dressing room, it was a constant, constant state of me trying not to piss my pants because you were making us laugh so hard about all the shit that was like so obviously going around that we were just it completely was so, oblivious And everyone to. took it so seriously too. I mean, I should have probably yes. taken it more seriously, but we worked with people who were, everyone was nice. I say, I say this, yes. I left that, you know, and I talk about it now years later with you and I'm like, oh my God, I loved so many people who were in that. Like there were really, yeah. really nice people. And, uh, and I remember they, like the people who worked at the theater a lot, they had a lot of drama between them, right? We were kind of like, yes, the, not we yeah, were the outsiders. We, yeah, we were. No, we were the outsiders because there were some lifers there. There were some people that was like their 15th show that they did and they did every one in the season. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, I mean like even the, even the dressing rooms are wild cause it was in this basement, <laughs> but then do you remember how it was set up? How it was like, ha- like it was one whole dressing room, but it was like, there was this imaginary line where it was equity on one side and non-equity on the <laughs> I other. I do now. Do you remember this? <laughs> <laughs> were we not allowed to pee in the same bathrooms or something? I, th- I think there were like weird rules like that. Like I think there was a legitimate piece of tape like across the room. There might've been at some point, yes. curtain, but there was like, there was equity on one side, non-equity on the other. And like, you know, it w- we were not, equity. Was, yeah, we weren't allowed. We weren't <laughs> important yet. That was so Mm-mm. fucking hilarious. And I, we, Mark and I took so many photos. So I would drive, I would go home to Philly from New York. Cause I was working, I was living in New York. I was working at the restaurant in New York. I'd go home to Philly for like the weekend. I'd drive with Mark Murphy to the barn in yes. Delaware. We'd do the shows and we'd like drive back and then I'd take a bus back to New York. It was such a nightmare <laughs> schedule. Have we also, have we mentioned that in addition to this place being just all sorts of comical, it was also a dinner theater, which <laughs> presents a whole other series of opportunity for comedy. Cause I think like, I think we ignored People the fact served. that it was a dinner theater, but there were, there was a buffet. Yeah. People served. There was a buffet. People served. People ate while we were performing on stage half naked. So (laughs) I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of like like inferences that you could make from this whole experience. Oh my God. I remember it was just so (laughs) insane. And I, and you graduate college and you think, well, Broadway, that's the next step after college theater. And then you don't think like, yeah. You don't think I'm going to be in a fucking barn for two months in the middle of Delaware, like literally where people drink pina coladas like it's a regular soda. Like it's normal. (laughs) And it was like winter. Yes. This was the thing. (sighs) And mudslides, a lot of like all the cocktails that we forgot about, you know, all the cocktails that you see on the TGI Friday menu, they were there. Um, right. But I also, that was actually, oh. so the first, the first production I did Chicago and I actually, I served in Chicago and the crazy part about all this. So you serve in your normal, you know, server's attire for before the show. So you're in like black pants and a white shirt. Right. But intermission where you have to go like collect checks, you're in costume. So I was in costume in my Chicago getup, like collect. So this is like, I mean, it's, it's essentially a, a, a bustier and like yeah. underwear and fishnets and like my Leducas. And I'm walking around 
this barn, like collecting checks. Like, thank you all so much for coming. Like, it's been a pleasure to serve you. I hope you enjoyed what happened on stage. Like, <laughs> can you imagine? Can you imagine me doing and that now? Probably starstruck at this point. Like, in the in, like the the servers, like the yes. tables are probably like, oh, our server's a real actor from the production yeah. we just saw. Like, oh my god, you know, that's because right. they're all old. They were all old. dinner and a show. Dinner yes. and a show. Oh, it was so funny. Yes. Wait, I love how you just said Laduca because you just brought back like horror nightmares of how when I moved to New York. <sighs> And I started yes. auditioning for musical theater. Like I didn't have those shoes, and every fucking girl had yes. those shoes. And they were like, mm, "I'm sorry, you can't really like go to a dance call." Are those Capizia? Yeah, I'm sorry, you can't go to a dance call without La Duca. Uh, that's the brand, or the yeah, the, yeah, that was the brand. La Duca is the brand. Yeah, never got them. That was a thing. I had to get them for Chicago. <laughs> that was the first time that I convinced. I was like, "Listen, mom and dad, I'm I've got a paid gig, so." <laughs> You know, you're going to have to fork up the money, the $175 or whatever it was for me to get Leducas for this dinner theater situation. Oh, my God. And I did. And I, I think I only ever got one pair in my whole career because I don't know. Now I think about $175. I'm like, why didn't I just. But that was a. I mean, not that it's That's not a lot, lot of money now, but like dance shoe, you know, it was a lot when I. <laughs> exactly, yeah, we were exactly. saying this was 47 oh, years Leduca. ago. I think I still have them. You do? That's cool. I'm gonna take a sip of wine at this. Girl. Yeah, because take some wine. All of this all of this all of this mudslide and pina colada talking. I wanna try it too. Mm-hmm. Um I was gonna say the last show of Forum, I remember so so well. Do you remember we got real drunk uh for the show? I don't know if I don't know if you remember this. I feel like that <laughs> maybe it was just me. Oh. Mark and I brought Prosecco. I mean. And drank it as soon as we got there in the parking lot. Like, I don't remember this. In my car. We didn't drive and drink, but we, as soon as we got there, we're like, let's fucking drink some of this and then we'll bring the rest in and we'll give it to people. We brought like little paper cups. Yeah. And we all had like Prosecco and, uh, and we were like drunk. I have no recollection. By the time the show started and we're like, we've done this a hundred times. We know how to do this. We're good. And I was definitely drunk on stage. Like. I, it was probably I the best like show. I feel like a lot of people were drunk for their shows, though. <laughs> probably. <laughs> um, I'm sure it was. There was also a Matt it May was, that I mean, someone listen, died in. Like the requirements for that show was not much. <laughs> no. Wait, do you remember what? the matinee? When I was there? Yeah. Do you remember the matinee oh. that someone? I I I say it now that someone died in, but like there was a matinee that we did, and. There was like an old person's home that came to it on a bus and then halfway through the show, like someone passed out and then the ambulance was there. And I remember being like, oh, my God, they're they're bringing in a stretcher to take this woman. I do remember this. Off the ground. And and it was like before my number or something. And I remember who was the stage manager? I'm blank on their name. Shit. There was a stage manager. I can't remember. But I remember. Was it Jackie? Maybe. Maybe it was Jackie. And we, I, I remember being was like, it, like short black hair. That was Jackie. Sh- uh, is it okay to, she did one of them. I was like, is it okay to do the, sh- like to do, to go on right now? Should, should we pause the show? Someone's like, there's like people like doing, you know, mouth to mouth in the middle of the fucking audience. And they were like, the show must just been carried go. on. <laughs> yeah. We went on and I'm like up there. No, this happens I'm all the dancing, time. I'm doing my, you know, <laughs> sex dance. And there's someone being carried out on a stretcher in the middle of the barn in Delaware. I'm I'm like, where is my life? What did I do? Where did I go wrong? What What is happening right now? I just, I'm pouring I, wine. I vaguely remember that. I think, honestly, I I love, I think this speaks volumes about the show because I, 
that's only like a, a vague snippet of memory, like something like that for most people, like you would never forget that. But like of the things that happened, I don't know. I, I didn't remember it until you just brought it up. So that tells you how much shit there that went down during a funny thing. Oh happened in God. The forum, yeah. I didn't the remember the, the forum, segregation line, you know, where they where the, the poor people and the rich people had to separate. So right. there you go. I didn't remember the, the right. equity and the non-equity. That's right. <laughs> Oh, my God. So, wait. All right. So, let's take it back now. And there was always drama. Oh, always. So much. There probably still is. Does it exist still, that theater? Ooh, that's a good question. I bet it does. I bet not now. I'm going to send this episode to Mark so he can listen to it because he'll appreciate it. Hi, Hi, Mark Mark Murphy. Yeah, shout out. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right. I want to take it back. So, before this, uh, what was, like, the first job you ever had? As a teenager, if you worked as a teenager or college. Yeah, I had many jobs. I worked at a bakery because my uncle owned a bakery also in Delaware. I worked at a a breakfast bistro for like a minute. And then I got my first break and I got introed to this bed and breakfast called Sweetwater Farm, which was this, it was this gorgeous estate that was owned by the, the family of Grace Kelly. And I only worked on weekends. So I worked, I, I don't like to this day, I don't know how I did it. Cause I, I mean, I didn't go out and party when I was in high school, but <laughs> I would wake up at like six o'clock in the morning on Saturdays and Sundays religiously yeah, and go work at this bed and breakfast and serve breakfast. And then I'd leave there and I'd go to like dance class or rehearsal, but it was like the only job I could have because it was mornings and I worked, you know, nights. To, well, I guess my first job was like on stage, but yeah, other than that, I was like my, actually my very first paid gig I did uh, a print ad for Banquet Chicken. Wow. That was the the very first time. Yes. Banquet like Chicken. 11, Is that a brand? I got it. Banquet I Chicken. It's, I don't even know if it's still around, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, yeah, Banquet Chicken. And you can find it probably not in a Whole Foods, but definitely in a lesser grocer um, in the freezer <laughs> section. So it was like like fried chicken that you'd microwave or I don't, I don't even know. Were you eating it on camera? Town. Yeah. There was a lot of chicken. I yeah, we were. It was like a photo shoot. I was in, I was a model. You know, I in love my this four foot days. Yeah. So banquet chicken, and then I guess after that, my other my next gig was uh, like I had like a whole bunch of random singing theater gigs. I was part of the Rainbow Company. Do you remember no. this? This was part of like Prince Music Theater. It was like a whole bunch of like pre. It was like professional kids, but like you know, a lot of the people that I worked with ended up doing like amazing mm-hmm. things, like. Gideon Glick was part, was like part he went of to my tribe, Hebrew school. On, like, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. So like he grew up around. So like he was the, there was like a whole bunch of people that like were part of this whole thing. But anyway, we would get paid to go around to like sing at Jeffrey Lurie's house, who in the Eagles. We did this show with that like Mandy Patinkin was like headlining. Um, just like ran, I cool. know, which was wild to think about now. But I didn't know how any of these people were when I was. 13. Um, so that was like my first paid gig. But then like, yeah, as a high schooler, I was such a loser. Like I said, I didn't go to parties. And I guess the only time that I could work was at this bed and breakfast. So I, I worked at this bed and breakfast, which ended up being really cool because that movie, The Village, when they filmed the, the M. Night Shyamalan yeah. movie, when they filmed in Pennsylvania, the whole cast stayed at the bed and breakfast. So they took the the whole place over. So I got to like hang out with, with Bryce Dallas Howard and, um, that's fun. That movie, uh, William Hurt, Sigourney Weaver. 
Yeah. That's really cool. cool. I remember that like when I worked at restaurants in LA and they were like, we're going to shoot something here. Like a TV show's coming in. Like those were always really fun, like shifts to work. Cause it was like, you're a part of it too. You're a part of this operation now also. It's, it was, especially if you were interested in acting, like you're like, oh, the entire movie set is here. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're basically starring in the film at that point. Wait, cheers. Cheers. I poured my wine. (laughs) Cheers to you. Ellen. (laughs) Good. I'm pretending Cheers. you have some. I'll save you some. What are we drinking? Oh, Ellen, uh, it was my bad. Mm-mm. We're drinking a white blend. It's called Masakan. Delish. And it's delicious. It's it's like two grapes you probably never heard of and then the other one that you have. So Tokai Frilano, Ribola Jala, and mm-hmm. Chardonnay. Which mm-hmm. I'm sure everyone's and it's called of. Anna. So <laughs> it's sort of called Anna. Yeah. We can say it's called, yeah. So the brand is Masakan and then the cuvee. <laughs> Is Ania. Ania or Anna? If yeah, you're or Anna. Anna. If you drop the I, you know what I mean. They'll after they yeah. see me drink this, I'm gonna be the influencer. I'm gonna be like Anna without an I. That's right. <laughs> Dan will be very excited. He makes this wine. He'll take it. <gasps> I love it. I will. I will influence for you after. I, I I'm a micro influencer. I influence not one product, but all you know, many many products. What, whatever they send me. Those are sometimes like the strongest ones, though. The micro influencers of the world are. Are very influential. Well, you know, right now my clients are like Auntie Anne's pretzels and a skincare line. So you never know. You never know where my next break is going to be. You know, you know who you should be an influencer for is that, um, is it, it was like cookie, like the cookie, the, what is that? Your friend that does the cookies. They're like half baked in the center. Gracie baked. Gracie baked. I am her influencer. I follow Gracie Beaks because of you. Oh my God. She did an episode of the podcast. She was a therapist before she decided to become full-time baker. Yeah. Oh, good for her. Yeah. Well, now she does. Her stuff therapy, is so good. Is oh, my God. She I, I'll send you a box. But yes, she she delivers now. She delivers her cookies like they ship, <gasps> which is pretty exciting. Yes. Um, they look delicious. Yeah, They're really awesome. Ellen's had them. I got Ellen some. Gracie baked. Uh, yeah, I used to just I was just a fan because I she would sell them at this little like market near where I live in Williamsburg. And then. Jared and I would buy them every single week, and I was like, oh, shit, we love her stuff. And then we became friendly, and I love her. That's the yeah. best. I love when yeah. that happens. I got her now. I told her, one day I'll invest. When I have enough money, I'll invest in the company before they go, like, milk bar corporate. You know what I mean? Where they're, like, that way. Right, right. Oh, man. All right. So back where we were we, before we drank wine, we were in high school. So you had yeah. all these crazy, like, acting gigs, kind of, like, right? Ar- artsy gigs. Yeah. And then yeah. did you go to college for musical theater? I did. Wow. Yeah, I went to I went to Point Park in Pittsburgh. Okay. So I I did my my four year stint there. I took a little break and went to London for a second. That's cool. But I I kind of hated school. Like I didn't I didn't love music. I don't know how you felt about your school, but I didn't love musical theater school. I loved the idea of it more than I loved it in practice. But I will say. You know, like, and I don't know how, how like, your family and, like, your friends were. Like, before I went to musical theater school, my parents were, like, great with it. But a lot of my parents' friends were like, why are you letting your daughter go to musical theater school? And my mom was like, whatever. Like, you know, she'll figure it out. And, like, you can always use a musical theater degree, right, to some degree. Sure. And now, like, today, they just love talking about <laughs> what I'm up to. Because they're like, see, I told you she'd use her degree somehow. Yes. And, it's all come full circle. So it wasn't for nothing. I just didn't, I didn't love college. Yeah. Like I had a good time, but I didn't love college. Like if I had to, I'm glad it happened. Cause I think I got a lot of, a lot of the weird shit out of the way mm-hmm. and I could go to New York and feel, you know, like I was ready to adult, but yeah, not a time in my life that I'm like, 
you know, super excited about. I did host a set of Roos Chris where someone thought it was pregnant because I, you know, at the time it was like flowy. Yeah. I wore this like flowy dress when <laughs> this guy, this is like classic Pittsburgh Roos Chris. This guy tipped me $20, by the way, $20. He goes, good luck with the baby. <gasps> <laughs> he tipped you because he thought you were pregnant? $20. No. What did he think I was gonna get? What did he think I was gonna I get? I would have handed it back to him and been like, an abortion is four hundred. <laughs> <laughs> I would have scared the shit out of that B. person. Oh my god, that's crazy! <laughs> it's yours. It's funny when you say that. Like college for me, I met I met some great people and I had fun and I feel like I did become an adult, but I didn't give a fuck about class like I I didn't go to musical theater school though I was a tv production major so mine was mostly like writing and producing and so it was it was a different and I wanted to go to musical theater school and my school Mm. didn't have that and my parents I think were like do whatever you want just get a degree um and yeah, yeah, and like, yeah, most people in my area, they were all going to like Penn because their parents did. And it was, you know, they're going to become right. a lawyer or a doctor. And I was like, I just want to sing. Uh, so, yeah, it was like, <laughs> you know, I was definitely different in my school than than people I grew up with. But I didn't really know exactly where I was going to. I knew I wanted to be a famous movie star, you know, if you asked me. And I was like, and I will be on Broadway yes. and I will do this. Uh, I didn't know I'd host. I didn't. Absolutely. Those were There's some things in my career now that I do that I'm like, I didn't know that I would do that. And then I ended up liking it and being good at it. And, you know, so. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, you know, what's funny. I, I do like hosting now, but I feel like I... I, I wanted to be on Broadway. Like in my mind, I was the next Sutton Foster, which obviously didn't happen. But yet when I was in high school, <laughs> yet there's still time there, you know, the Erica Janes of the world. If she can make it to Broadway, I will too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, in high school, you know, they make you do those, like that job shadowing thing. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you guys had to do it. Yeah. So in my, in this class that I was taking, they said, you know, pick a job that you want to do and go shadow it for a day. And I was like, well, you know, I, there's not a lot of things on like the normal spectrum that I'm excited about doing. But one of the things that I thought was really cool and because it was in our own backyard was to be a host on QVC. Oh, yes. And the, the teacher at the time was like, well, you're not going to go like shadow someone at QVC. And I was like, the fuck I'm not. Oh, sorry. Can I curse in this podcast? Of course. Yes. I, I'm sorry. I've said it multiple times. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for censoring yourself though. But I don't know if you heard me curse 20 times already. <laughs> okay. I don't know like what the hard line was, but anyway. No. I looked at her and I was like, yeah, no, I'm going to, I'm going to go shadow someone on QVC. And she was like, good luck with that. And I emailed every single host on QVC and I was like, please let me shadow you for a day for this class. One host got back to me and I got to shadow her for a day. And I, I went on air with her and Joan Rivers (gasps) at the time. Yes. And got to like be on QVC for day. And I, it was like the most glorious moment of my, like, I still think of that moment fondly because I got to go back with the video and hand and be like, I shot it at QVC. Suck it. That's the coolest thing ever. And Joan yeah, Rivers, like cool. what you're, that was amazing. Yes. That's amazing. Yes. She told me I had beautiful eyes. Oh my God. Like, thank you, Joan. I can't see yours, well, but thank you. <laughs> I can't see yours. You do. I was going to tell you, our friend works for QVC who she was a host for HQ and she also works for QVC and we talked to her a lot about it oh, cool. on the podcast, but that's an amazing day. And I love that you proved your teacher wrong. You were like, no bitch, yes. I can do this if I want. I have connections. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. And what the extra like shitty part was that her daughter was also in musical theater. So I don't know if there was just some sort Mm. of like 
competitive something going on there. But yeah, when she was like, you're not going to do that. And I was like, I'm going to do it. You're going to watch me do it. I'm going to do it. And you did. So now like, you know, I kind of feel like it's come full circle that I'm, you know, I'm hosting a podcast. I host lots of like wine related things and it's kind of my like shtick now. Yeah. So, okay. After college, you moved to New York, ready to be Sutton Foster. Uh, Did you have, did you work in restaurants in New York? I feel like you did, I right? Did yeah, because yeah. we were both working yeah. well, in restaurants. Worked, yeah, so w- before I moved to New York, I'm, I was in. I I left college. I graduated college, and I went to Philly for like a year and a half mm-hmm. and lived with my parents. Um, in between there, I did a couple weird things. Like, so I did Forum. I did Chicago. I did. Um, a cup. I did a production of like Thirty Minor Millie again, where I thought it was gonna be Sutton Foster. Um, and then I also I was a stand-in for Reese Witherspoon for a movie that she did. I remember this um, in Philly. Yeah. Yes. Because uh, I think so I came I, home I and I saw you because so we were like fr- I would see <laughs> my friends from I'd see you or I'd see Mark and we would get together and I remember you were her stand-in. Uh huh. That's so fun. What a fun so game! I was her stand-in. It was a super fun gig. I yeah, I got to like you know work with Paul Rudd and um, Owen Wilson, who turned out to be kind of a jerk, but um, yeah, it was a that was like a fun a fun couple of months. And then I moved to New York not long after that. And the first job I got in New York, I I I mean, as you do, like you move to New York, like I just I had a place to live, and that was like the only real reason that I was moving up there, other than I needed to be up in New York. And I needed a job, so like two weeks before I moved to New York, I started applying on Craigslist. Mm-hmm. Just anything, anything that like looked like maybe I didn't have to take my clothes off for it. <laughs> and this, the only place that responded to me was this place called the core club. And I didn't know what it was at the time. And they said, can you come in for an interview? So I took the bolt bus up as we did in those days mm-hmm. and did the interview, lied my way through the interview, emailed, wore a very short, cute black dress and heels, mm-hmm. emailed the very French uh, manager after and was like, Hey, I know I don't know jack shit about jack shit, but Hey, can you like maybe consider hiring me? And he was like, yeah, sure. Whatever. <laughs> so he hired me. Um, and I got the job and I moved up to New York, started the day, like two days after I moved in. And that's actually where I got into wine after about a year and a half of working there. The core club. They, I know they, the core club. My boss was yeah. a member. How do you know? My old boss was a member there. I feel like there was a time we connected. I I was an assistant. This This is all like coming back to me. Uh, I was an assistant at a venture capital firm. I worked for very uh, fancy men. And my one boss, core club, he would have all of his lunch meetings there. Yeah, and that sounds right. Because he was a, you had to be a member, right? It was like a private, yes. like dining club. It's or like so. a private, yeah, a private like urban club. So think of like country club without the golf right. or the tennis or the pool. Right, you could, so he, they had like a gym and a library yeah. and a restaurant. And you could and like host events like and stuff. He'd have like exactly. some board meetings there if he wanted it in like a nicer mm-hmm. room or whatever. And like, I remember they'd be exactly. like core club, like they'd send the menu via email, like here's what we're going to serve or whatever. And yes. that's so funny. And I remember now I was like, oh, right, you were probably there when I was working for him and I'm sure you know so you got into wine yeah, there that place that's, is wild that's so cool yeah I yeah that place is we I mean I don't know like if you ever got to go there it's a beautiful place mm-hmm. but and they they actually do make you like sign an NDA so I don't know how much I'm allowed to say but um but yeah every everyone in New York if you've got money and like power and influence like you're probably a member of court club <laughs> and it was a place that you'd walk or by the a harmony times. club you never know it was or, there you know yeah, there's a couple of those. Yeah, although this was the most expensive one, so this was like this was I think it was like fifty thousand dollars to join. Damn. Yeah, and then 
angle, whatever the angles were. But anyway, um, yeah, that was a wild place. I think that was like where I learned about life probably the most. I think that was the place that I was like, oh, like the baby powder on the sink isn't actually baby powder. That's actually cocaine. And like people actually do like do very unusual and strange things in the bathroom at 6 PM, like during happy hour. Like why is the artwork on the ground? Like this, like I learned that people were not, I was so naive going into that job. I didn't know anything about life. Mm -hmm. And I went into that job coming out. Like, I think I get it now. Like, I think I know like how people with money operate. And I think I know how to like get what I want now. But in the process of working there, this sommelier started, he was a sommelier at Le Bernadette, which is a three Michelin starred restaurant in New York. Yeah. He started as our AGM and I was super curious about wine and still going to auditions and, you know, <laughs> trying to get on that national tour of hairspray Hell yes. for the 15th time. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And I was like, you know, I'm curious about wine. And so that's really where I got started. He was the one that introduced me to everyone and enrolled me in classes and Core Club ended up paying for my whole wine education. Wow. And that's that's where I got into it. That's yeah. so nice. That's really cool. It's funny you say you learned yeah. about life from like your first time because this was your first job in the service industry in New York City. You had just moved. <laughs> like I, yes. I feel the same way. I, I interned in New York when I was in college for a summer. So I had a restaurant job and then I went back there after college because they were like, you have, yeah. you have a job here whenever you're back. But like, yeah, I never saw people do drugs and like, you know, and just like the, the, the drunk people who come in and like the, just the lifestyle and like how late and like, oh, you people go out after our shift when we close the restaurant at like midnight, then they go out for another three hours and like just, and then I have to get up and and audition at 9am and and sing something. Like it was just, I don't know how we did it. I think back and I'm like, that was an insane time. I did learn so much, but I was also I, how much energy did I have? How did, how did we survive? I, I don't know. Cause now I, you know, I have two glasses of wine and I'm like, forget it. I'm not, I'm not doing anything today. But <laughs> back then it was like, I lived in Chelsea. So I'd finished work and then somebody would be like, yeah, come meet us at like Avenue. Right. And I'd be like, all right, I got 15 hours to kill before my next shift. Why not? I'll spend half of them here. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I just, yeah, New York was like a crazy experience, but I think being at core club, also really lent itself to learning a lot about New York and life and how people of that sort of demographic behave. It's wild. It's, you know, I think we all watch like Real Housewives and see all the crazy shit that goes down. It's not that far off. No, it's definitely not. It's kind of accurate. (laughs) And in fact, there's like, there's two cast members of Real Housewives of New York that were members of the core (laughs) club. I won't tell you they are, but I will tell you their behavior is accurate oh god and perhaps even perhaps even tame compared to some things that i saw girl when i was the the somalia when i was the maitre d at spice market in the meatpacking district oh yes uh, you saw shit one night i had a walk-in 14 top and uh their driver came in and they were like "Can, can you fit 14 and at spice market uh it was a big huge john george restaurant that's no longer there and it i could do it it was like 11 o'clock at night i was like i guess you know everyone will hate me but it's a 14 top. I'm going to fucking put them in. And Teresa, what's her name? Judice, Judice, whatever. Teresa. Judice from Real Housewives of New Jersey. Yes, Teresa. It was all of them. And her yes. husband. No cameras were on. They, were, they had like finished Joe. shooting and they wanted dinner or whatever. And they came in. And no joke, her mm-hmm. husband. What was his name? Joe? Uh he Joe. yeah he passed out at the table like asleep like just like full oh on God. was like snoring at the table and they all took their chopsticks and they were like poking at him and taking photos and they were like this is so funny 
funny. And they're like showing us. And we were like, this is a mess. Like, I can't believe Like, am I allowed to like, you're adults. What are you right? doing? <laughs> I was like, how much more can they drink at this point? Like they're poking a sleeping man on a table with chopsticks. It was a nightmare. <laughs> I feel like you probably saw that with some regularity at Spice Market though, right? Absolutely. All the time. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the stories I have from there were, were crazy. And the celebrities who came in were always unannounced. So it was always just like, a surprise yeah. like oh my god Christina Aguilera's here like what? like you know me teenage me yeah. is gonna lose her fucking mind it was yeah it was always wild that was the hardest job I ever Who's, had it was like too many covers for me to handle but yeah that would be crazy because I mean the meatpacking is crazy to begin with but then the spice, spice market on top of that is wild I know it's like the most famous person you ever met that you like tried like really had to try not to lose your shit over Oh, well, that was at a steakhouse in New York, in BLT Steak. Uh, she came in unannounced after the kitchen closed, and I've told this many times on the podcast, but Kim Cattrall came in, and I was such a fan, and I was like, and she came running up to me and was like, can we still eat? Is the kitchen still open? And I was like, uh, of course. I will cook the steak myself. Here you go. Yeah. And I was like, Samantha's here. Um there were Beyonce came into my restaurant once. That's a huge, that's a huge Ooh, one. That's a big one. But the thing is, yeah, but she sat upstairs. So I couldn't like, you know, sit there and like stalk mm. the whole time. Be like, Beyonce is here. I mean, I knew she was here. She was with like her mom and her sister and there were paparazzi. I remember like across the street trying to photograph like through the windows or whatever. It was just like wow. nuts. nuts. How about you? You've met famous people at all your restaurants. Anybody crazy? Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's well, core club. Who did I meet at Core Club that was cool? Oh, Nicole Kidman. Mm. She's like the most beautiful human being I've ever seen in my life. I, I think I've told this before, but uh, I didn't know she was coming in. And I I, <laughs> I had left the restaurant and come back in. And it, there was like a crowd of people. And you could see her through the crowd of people. She had like some sort of aura going. Like she is just like the most magnificently beautiful creature I've ever seen. So she was beautiful and cool. Is she tall? Um, she, Carey, is she very tall? She's so tall. Wow. She's so tall and like she glows. I mean, she like she is when they when people. Oh gosh, sorry. When people talk about celebrities being special, like having that it factor, like she whatever that is, she has it. Like yeah. you just look at her and you're like, wow. Like she's just she literally glows from the inside. Yeah, I was shocked because um, Kim Cattrall was my height, and I was like, because <gasps> they shot her really? so tall on the show. You're not that tall. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. But Sarah Jessica's so little. Yeah. So I guess she looks taller. But yeah, in New York, it's different meeting famous people in New York than it is in Napa because I think in New York, you know, there is sort of this this facade, this you know, sort of thing that you have to carry with you, a sort of a, a coat of armor. And then people get to Napa and they sort of lose it. Like they come to Napa to relax and then all of a sudden they become human beings. So a lot of the famous people that I met in New York were very different from the famous people that I met in Napa. And then also like the circumstances had changed because a lot of times I was selling them wine. Mm -hmm. And so then they were in my hands. Like I was sort of the expert that they were relying upon to find the perfect bottle of wine. So yeah, I mean, like Derek Jeter, um, uh, Mariah Carey, Carrie Underwood, LeBron James was a wild one. That guy is he, the biggest person I've ever seen in my whole life. He's huge. I mean, and you're tiny. I'm so I'm five foot two, and he's so tall, and he was so nice. But I will I'll never forget. I I was serving that night, and he was in the back room. They were having um, it was him. It was like it was Chris Paul. I think Dwayne Wade was there. Like it was like a lot. Of, it was a lot of like very famous NBA players, and he was in charge. He had taken the wine list. He was in charge, 
so you know i'm like you know i go over and talk to him and i'm like hey you know what are you looking for tonight and he's like oh, i don't know you know i like this i like that and um we we select a couple bottles he really loves them he ends up picking he was like oh i want to pick this vintage because like this is the year that got drafted and i was like oh okay that's cool um <laughs> you were like not my choice then, but sure <laughs> great <laughs> I don't know if the wine's going to be good, but great. Um, so then at the, at the end, so we get to talking and like at the end, he's like, yeah, he's like, so um, I, you know, it'd be great if I like, just like kind of like had you in my pocket, like, you know, not in like a weird way, but you know, basically like, I was like, oh yeah. He was like, you know, I travel a lot for work. And I was like, yeah, I bet. Um, he was like, you know, if I'm like at a place, can I just like, can I text you the wine list and, uh, and ask your advice? And I was like, yeah, like that would be okay. So I like gave him my contact information, ended up like texting me that night. And he was like, great to meet you. And yeah, that was, that was wild and crazy. And are you two you in the morning? You are LeBron like, James's pocket sommelier at this point. <laughs> so he never, he never texts me after the fact, but, uh, but yeah, I still love to tell that story. And then like, since then, yeah, there've been like, you know, I have some like f- more famous friends that will friends. They're not friends, famous people that will, ask me for like wine advice um via text uh so i love this it's a weird industry yeah Do you ch- can i ask it's, a weird question have you ever thought of like being like charging for something like that you know what i mean like i used to text my therapist yeah. but i would pay her a shit ton of money every <laughs> week you know like so she could throw in a text or so you know what i mean it's like you know for people like that it's more helpful to just ha- like call the like call in the favor when you need yeah. it because very like there's very often you know things don't need like for example not that I would call him for a favor but like recently like Burt Kreischer was on the podcast mm. um he's funny and he's very funny and he's like someone that you know would text me for like wine advice um and I just you know I don't know I feel like there's some like I do I will charge a consulting fee mm-hmm. if you know you want to sit down and like take an hour of my time but I don't know for that it's like I would do it for my friends you know, yeah. my friends text me all the time and they're like, what one should I get? I'm having this party. And I love that. I think, you know, that's an easy way for me to get people into wine and keep drinking it. And so I probably should charge, but then, you know, I why? can't wait to text you next time I'm out and be like, what wine should I get? Please do. Please I'm going to text you I, anyway, you know, because I'm I missed you and I'm so glad I was like, oh, this will be a great reunion. And it is. But I was like, <laughs> I love this. Now I can also get like, you know, advice on what to order, what to buy. Um, it's it's really fun getting to th- talk about and think about all of the crazy shit that's happened in the past, I don't know, 15 years of my life because I hadn't, you know, I haven't put a resume together in probably five years. Yeah. So yeah. I forgot like all these jobs. That, and, you know, your resume changed. Obviously, like your theatrical resume isn't the same as your res- restaurant resume. So you forget yeah. all the weird shit that you've done in between there. Like, I think if I really did my LinkedIn and had to put down every single job that I've ever had, people They'd- would be like, what do you do for a living? Like, how did you arrive at this moment? We always talk about this on the podcast, like that you have to just delete and make up and and cater your resume to that specific job. You can't, God forbid you put on one thing. Like even if, if now, if you were like, I'm going to just put on that. I am, I am a professional Somalia and you went into audition for Chicago, the musical on Broadway. They'd be like, what if she drinks all the time? Like, like it's just, you never know what they would take from it. Like what from each job you put on. It's so fucking weird. 
Um, but I wanted to ask you about that. That was what I'm so excited about is like you did, you, you took the like path, you went full, you know, force mm-hmm. into this world. When was, so after core club, you took these classes, like when was it where you were like, I'm okay. I feel satisfied enough with like what I'm doing right now to not sit there and wear my Laducas and fucking, you know, <laughs> sing 16 <laughs> bars for these assholes. Yeah. And transition into like wine full time. Yeah, well, I mean, you. I think you hit the nail on the head. It was like, how many times can you sing the same 16 bars, right? Um, and like hope that they're the right 16 bars to the right person. But, you know, I've, I thought about this a lot in more so in retrospect than I did at the time. And it was a really, it was a much more challenging moment in my life than I think I'd given it credit for. And I, there was no moment. There was no like, you know, I, what was that song like, uh, there was a there was a great song that Liz Minnelli sang, and it was like there was no there was no parade, and there was no magic was go, moment that all happened. That, that I was like, jazz. no, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but I <laughs> not that one. <laughs> it's that one. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah, so like there wasn't there wasn't like a moment, but there was. I think for me there was a couple a couple moments, a couple times when I would lay awake at night and I'm like you know I when I read the New York Times read the New York times when I skim the New York times, like I'm not going to the theater section. I'm going to the food and the wine section. Um, I'm more excited about spending my money on restaurants than I am going to shows right now. I'm not motivated to get up at five o'clock in the morning for at the pros, for the prospect of going on some bullshit non-act tour that's I'm going to have to like sleep in the side of a school bus yeah. and get paid $15 a week for like there has to be more to life than this. And I think I think I got to the point where I was like, you know, I have this amazing opportunity it, and it's it's not that I'm abandoning ship and it wasn't I never no. felt like I was giving up entirely, but I also I had to sort of come to terms with the fact that I was like, all right, I'm I'm going to stop looking at casting calls and stop thinking about getting up and going mm-hmm. in the morning to auditions and being disappointed when I don't because I feel like this is a this is an opportunity that I should take. Someone's opening a lot of doors. I mean, the short version was like, hey, do you want to get paid to drink, travel and eat for a living? Like become a sommelier. We'll show you the way. And that was really, you know, sort of in a nutshell how it all went down. It was like I had this person that was willing to do everything and show me everything. And very few people I knew would ever get that opportunity in their lives. And so I looked at it as like I'm 20. I don't know. I was 24, maybe 25. And I was like, when am when am I ever going to have this moment again? And I just, I said, you know what? I have a lot more opportunity over here than I do over in acting right now. And if I want to circle back, then I'll circle back. But maybe someday it'll come full circle. Yeah. So I love yeah. it. It's so great. And I, I love that you did this and you went with it. Like, I'm not, I don't do musicals at all anymore. And I think like you, where yeah. I'm like, you know, because I feel like people from high school and stuff, they still think if you're in entertainment or if you're hosting or if you're on camera, like you're still trying to go to those musical auditions. And it's like, <laughs> no, I have gigs. I have, you know, a career. I have yeah. things that I do. It's not that it's probably stuff you don't know about or you haven't caught up. You don't listen to my podcast, whatever it is, you know. Yeah. And it's just, yeah, we can always go back. That Nothing's nothing's permanent, right? Forever. And it's yeah. like. Yeah, I can't wait for your wine the musical to debut, you know, in the West End and well That's right. <laughs> That's but, right. It's ha- for those of you wondering, look at no, I'm just kidding. It's not I happening, think it's, but maybe someday. 
<laughs> but I think it's great. And I think it's so inspiring. And it's like why I wanted to have you on is like, you never know, you know, what path you're going to do. And sometimes like, just let it lead you there. Let the, if the doors are opening yeah. and you get to, that sounds lovely right now. We've been inside for the past fucking year. If someone was like, Hey, do you want to travel and drink wine and, you know, go yeah. online and talk about it and be your fun personality? Fuck yeah, I would, you know, like that's. Yeah. Embrace it. That's so cool. And then you know how it is like in theater, like you're not in control of your own destiny Mm -mm. when you are doing theater. Like you're at the mercy of a lot of people who may or may not like you. And it seemed to me that one, I I was getting this opportunity to work in mine, but then also this was all, this was sort of the advent of Instagram, Twitter, maybe not so Twitter, but like, you know, video content was really starting to become a thing. Instagram was starting to become a thing Mm -hmm. and you could really make your own way by building your own brand. And to me, it just, it seems so obvious that, you know, for the first time in my life, I was going to be, I was going to get to call the shots yeah. and decide what was going out there. And I, I had the ability to do it myself instead of waiting for someone to decide that they believed in me enough. I was like, well, fuck, I've been doing this for 15 years on the other side of it. Like I'm going to call the shots for once in my life and I'm going to do the thing that's going to make me happy. And yeah, it's, it's a free platform. All I have to do is teach myself how to use it. So yep. what's stopping me? It's so good. It's so true. I, I try to be my own boss. Unfortunately, I still do work for some people. Uh, I say unfortunately, but I am fortunate. We all work for somebody. Right, we all work for someone. I, I am for, fortunately, I still have some jobs, but I, you know, that's why I produce my own content. I love being able to just mm-hmm. create and make stuff. And it's funny because those are the things that always get me to another gig rather than like what I'm, what I do for other people. It's, it's great. It's steady. You need to, you know, work for someone sometimes, but then whenever I do stuff on my own, when, like you're saying, when you take the extra mile and you learn how to edit a video and you put it out there, someone, something else comes of it. You never know what it's going to be, but something will come of it. And so I I always tell people just create, just make stuff on your own. If you're a creative person, yeah. You figure it out, you know, whether it's wine and you're talking about wines or whether you're, I don't know, face painting and fucking putting it on TikTok. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> there's an there's an audience for everything out there. there I mean, is. truly, like uh, you, go, you go on TikTok and research the most obscure thing. I'm sure there's like some famous person that's doing it. Yeah. Somewhere. Um, yeah. So it's been really fun. I'm, I, I love where I am right now. I have no idea what I, what it is that I do for a living. Like if someone, someone were to ask me like, what's your job? I'm like, I don't know. I'm a full-time millennial. Like that's, and I drink for a living. I mean, I say comedian, but then they're like, oh, where can I see you? And I'm like, well, you can see me, you know, I have a show. (laughs) I don't get up every night, but you know, I'm not, uh, but I, you know, yeah, you gotta have to, I'm like, I'm a host too. And they're like, tell me more. And I'm like, "Mm, okay, maybe you don't have time for it. (laughs) Right. I like wine personality. I think that's really like, it's got a sexy edge to it, you know? It. Do, I think it does if you're not in the wine industry, like outside the wine industry, because the wine industry is so snobby still. You know, we're yeah. all trying to break down barriers, but like we all are kind of like, I won't say, I don't include myself because I actually feel like I'm very egalitarian in this, but I think the industry as a whole has a sort of pretense to it. Mm-hmm. And even when I, so when, even when I started doing Instagram, like wine related Instagram, YouTube content, I got a lot of pushback from it. Like a lot of people talked behind my back or even like to my face. And they were like, what are you doing that? Like, what? what are you doing right now? Like, why are you, why do you have an Instagram? Yeah. And this was not that long ago. This was like five years ago. 
I think they're jealous. Like Instagram had been because it is such a, an important with with the food industry. Well, like social media has changed the game completely. Like for sure. But like you and I can so obviously see that and say that now. But at the time, I mean, even wineries in Napa Valley didn't have Instagram. Right. Like it was not cool to have an Instagram. It it was this thing that was for like a younger generation who yeah. allegedly wasn't spending money, and then it turned out that we were. And I think for a long time, I just I I. I was sort of an outsider in this industry and now they've all sort of come around and now, you know, it's sort of this moment of poetic justice where people ask for my advice and, you know, can you come do Instagram things for me, which is very refreshing and, and lovely. But, um, it is a, it is a wild notion to think about the fact that when I started this, it, I was sort of a, alone in a boat. There were not very many people that mm-hmm. were doing any sort of social media content, um, in the wine world. Yeah. So, I don't know where I was going with that, but no, I love it. You're opening doors for so many people. That's so cool because I think it it works for, it translates to any other industry. Like if your industry is not necessarily hip to social media or they're snobs and they're above it and it's like, you know, no, this is how (laughs) things are. Like honey, times are changing. Like everybody get hip to it, you know? And I think wine is like the, one of the, like the perfect industry for that to have, you know, for content to be made. It's such a fun industry. Yeah. I know. It's, and it's so fun. And like, you know, the, even though there, it is an industry with a lot of pretense, it is an industry that is filled with great people and obviously delicious beverage. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to be in it. I'm glad that they've sort of come around. But it's also such an arbitrage in some, so many ways because it will continue to be behind the times. <laughs> like wine will always be about a decade behind. So the only thing I really have to do is just look at every other industry to see what they're doing. And I can just start that now. And then by the time they catch there up, I'm like, wait, she's of the, the pioneer. So yeah. This will just be a cycle. That's right. I love it. Are you on TikTok? Yeah. Do you have TikTok? <laughs> I'm, I just started to dabble on TikTok. I've been doing a lot more on reels, but, um, I, I love the TikTok platform as a platform because I, you know, it's very much, uh, a, for the creator. Yeah. Like there is a, there was a great article just came out that sort of broke all this down, but I, I'm a believer in TikTok. I just haven't, um, I haven't immersed myself in there yet, but it, it will happen it in will. the next six months. I, I will, feel like you I would be a kill thing. on it. I see so much yeah. food and beverage, like just like fun people who are like, who break it down, who are like easy to talk to about it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's not a, a wine tasting that you'd get, you know, working for La Bernadette. It's a, it's like a wine right. tasting I'm going to get from Amanda. Who's like fun. Yeah. Anyway, this is a Sauvignon Blanc. Yes. Wait, can we do a proper wine tasting before we sign off? Because, you know, you sent me these beautiful wines. Ellen, come and get it. Come and get it, Ellen. Get on your bicycle. (laughs) You have a bicycle. She has a bicycle. I have a bicycle. I'll have to fill up the tires and come on over. All right. Hop to it. I'm saving some for you. Um, Yeah, describe. I mean, I'd love to hear. Let's go. Yeah, I said, can we end with a proper wine tasting? Because I used to do these every day at the restaurant, you know. Ooh, yeah. Um, well, I guess I, I should start. I'd be remiss to not add that these are from Wine Access, um, whose podcast I host. But this is, uh, so we have a red and a white. The white, like I mentioned, is this white wine oh, called Real quick, what is Wine Access? Can you tell us? Yeah, it's an online wine retailer, but they, I kind of call them the, like the Nordstrom of wine because it's, it's highly curated and edited. So they won't have everything out okay. there, like a total wine or a wine.com. But what they do have is everything 
everything is good. Their whole wine team is made up of master sommeliers, master of wines, and then former like Michelin starred wine directors mm. who source all of these wines from all of the world. So they're highly vetted. I um, saved the information because Jared and I have been sick of like going and buying wine. And I'm like, let's just order. Like if we know what we like, yeah. let's just order from somewhere. And so I was like, look, we have a, now there's a place. So I'm totally going to do go. it. And I'll give you my, I'll give you my code so you can get something Hell else. But, um, yes. We want the code. We love the code. Yeah. Yeah. I'll see if I can get a code for the audience too. Um, um, yeah, so essentially they're they're an online wine retailer, but they do they have like wine subscriptions. Like they just partnered with the Michelin Guide, so they have a Michelin Guide wine subscription, mm-hmm. so you can get wines that are featured at like Michelin star restaurants. But essentially, it's a great place to go and find wine because if you sort of know what you like, it's a good way to explore into other regions um, or other varieties or styles without there being too much uh, too much risk there for you. So. A perfect example is like this is the this is the Masakan. This is a, a white wine, but it's a blend of, like I said, three grapes, two which you probably not heard of, one that you have. And this is Dan Petrosky who makes this wine. All he does is white wine under this label, but he's super, super, super famous winemaker who makes these hundred point wines for Larkmead in, in Napa Valley. And he focuses on all Italian white varieties here in California. So this blend is like a classic blend from a region called Friuli in uh in northern italy and i think to me this is like a perfect wine if you don't if you've got a lot of people that you're trying to Mm -hmm. serve wine to that have many different palettes it's a great wine because it gives you a little bit of everything so it has a little bit of those like sauvignon blanc characteristics a lot of that citrus but there's also a lot of florals um it gives you a little bit of like an apple-y tinge to it so if you like chardonnay but you're also like you don't like oaky chardonnay this is great so there's really no oak treatment on this so you don't get any any of that like toasty vanilla stuff but I don't know if you smell the wine, depending on like which angle you're sticking your nose in the glass, like I get a lot of floral, I get some Meyer lemon, I, say, I, I get, get a like little lemon bit of grass, like, like that, like, yeah, bright, totally, totally like lemon grass, like a little curry leaf. Um, so that like sort of like sweet, savory. Has anyone ever, um, have you ever been in a wine tasting and someone's like, you know what I get? I really get like a lot of like, you know, dirt or like, and and it's like completely off. And you, do you say like, well, no, no one else gets that. Uh, you're the only one who smelled (laughs) tobacco on this wine today. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, no, (laughs) that would be a good sketch, wouldn't it? Where it's like the one person in the room who's like completely off and you're just like, no, no one, no one smelled that. Sorry, no strawberries. That. Never heard yeah. of it. No. Um, SNL, yeah. are you listening? SNL, no, <laughs> no. Call me. Didn't I tell you um, the famous guy at my restaurant? We do wine tastings every day. Ellen, have I told you this? And this, oh, I loved him. Oscar, our back waiter. He'd we'd we'd sn- smell a wine first. You know, we'd go around, and the psalm would be like, "What does everyone smell like?" And they were really good about like making it an activity, and everyone was included. And a lot of people who were interested in wines really got to learn about wines through these wine tastings every day. And this one back waiter, he didn't care about the wines, you know what I mean? But he wanted to be in part of it. And they'd go around. They'd be like, "Oscar, what do you smell?" And he'd be like, "Grapes." I smell grapes. <laughs> and then we'd taste, and they'd be like, what do you taste? And he'd go, alcohol. <laughs> grapes nice. and alcohol every time, because that's what wine was. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love it. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I guess it depends on the setting. Like, if I'm tasting wine in a normal, like, if I'm tasting wine at dinner, like, I'm not going through the grid, which is, like, how we blind taste. I'm not going through right. the grid and, like, going through, like, this is notes of what, but, like, in life, like the things that I pay attention to most are texture and feeling. So like 
this to me is like a beach, like a summer beach wine. Like yeah, it smells a little light. oceany. It smells like, yeah, it smells like something that you'd want to have at a picnic. Like, I don't know. To me, it just, it sort of conjures this image of like who I am and what I'm doing and like who I'm with. And so, I don't know, a wine like this, like I'm sitting at the beach or maybe just like after we've come home and we're sitting on the deck and like watching a sunset because it's got a little bit of texture like it's not it's a little crispy but it's got this like round sort of lush softness to it Mm -hmm. so it you know it's that like moment where you're like coming off and you're like I just want something like to like sink into like a plush couch outside on your deck she is good Um, Ellen don't you want this wine (laughs) lush softness yes I want that I'm like I'm in Long Beach Island I'm in a comfortable chair I'm sipping my wine. Yeah. It's really good. Somebody like poured you a glass of lemonade or something. Mm. And yeah, I mean, the wine's like, the wine's bone dry and it's crispy. It has like some brightness to it, but I don't know. It just, it makes me feel like one of my favorite things in life is seeing like, I guess it's my dream to have like a very expensive house in the Hamptons with like white plush furniture in the lawn. And that's what this wine reminds me of. It's like sitting outside like an an uncomfortably comfortable chair that has no business being on the grass, but just is. I like, can't wait. I'm going to come to your house. I'll bring cookies. <laughs> okay. Do. I'll bring tons and tons of cookies. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And I, I opened the red. I don't know if you did. Too, I did but too. I yeah. Poured it in. I told Jared, I'm doing a proper you have tasting. A fancy glass, but I, I chilled this before and I like this wine with a little bit of a chill on it. I think I love chilled you know, red wine. I chill most of my reds. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people don't, but I, I, one of my favorite things to do in life is to chill down a red. So this is all Syrah. I learned that in the restaurants. Like, they with. would chill a yeah. lot of our wines, and I was like, I always liked it when it was colder. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, what happens is if a, wine, if a red wine or any wine is too warm, the alcohol starts to poke out too much, and you get a little bit of that, like, that ethanol smell. Yeah. And it... I don't know. It's kind of a, it, it feels a little overwhelming, but this is all Syrah. This is from a, a famous vineyard called the Las Madres Vineyard. And this is, so the Masacom is like 30 bucks. This is like 40 bucks. Um, but it's from a vineyard that is very famous and, and the grapes normally go into wines that are like two, three times its price, but this is called benevolent neglect. So this is sort of a winemaker that's a little bit more hands-off. So you're not going to get a lot of the, the overwhelming oak treatment. So it really smells like you know, Syrah is a grape that has a lot of personality. It smells delicious. Like kind of, yeah, like it's it's kind of, it smells like charcuterie. Mm. It smells a little smoky. It's kind of black pepper. Like if you're someone that loves that, like that roasted rep, rep pepper, mm-hmm. um, smoked ham, you know, kind of salty, kind of olivey. Like you think of like a big charcuterie board. That's kind of what this smells like. Yeah, you don't get um, like, it's not as I, like berry-like. Yeah, yeah. Like there's still some like purpley things going on in here fruit wise, but yeah, it leads with a lot of savory stuff. I actually have it in an in a, like Italian wine tumbler because this is sometimes how I like my reds. I don't always drink them out of fancy glasses. But I also like it because mm. it's a, it's like a clean, simple red. Yeah, it's very it's easy to like drink. Spice. This is not your wine. Um, but if you're someone that likes a, like a Malbec or a Zinfandel, something that's got a little spice, um, this is great. And okay, so the takeout foods, because this is how I always roll takeout foods to get with these two wines. So you had you mentioned you had Chinese food earlier. I also had Chinese food earlier. Mm-hmm. So the Masakan's delicious with any sort of like uh, salty, slightly oily, uh, like chicken and broccoli or chow mein, <laughs> really, really delicious. Um, I just say chow mein out here, which is weird because in, on the East coast, it's lo mein, but any sort of like lo mein, chow mein noodle, kind of greasy noodle, um, oily chicken and broccoli, mm-hmm. really delicious. I had sesame noodles earlier. And then, yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, sesame noodles would be so good with this. And then the benevolent neglect Syrah, that would be really good with any of your like um, like takeout Indian dishes, especially if you can get like uh, like a lamb tagine um, mm. or um, even like if you wanted to get something Greek, like a, like a gyro uh, would be delicious with like some lamb and like, like that would be... So you don't have to go super fancy when you're pairing food. No. You know, some people think of like, you have to go to like a Michelin star restaurant. But my favorite pairings are like, you know, all of my takeout and wine. I love this. So, so fun. Yeah. We, we've never had someone come on the pod and do their job for us for <laughs> free. This should be a thing. <laughs> yes. I love Which it. Which of these wines would you recommend for, you know, say to celebrate Quitting a horrible job. Ooh, ooh, ooh. yeah. Or any Quitting wine. What, what's the t- what's the variety? Like what type of wine? Not one of these. Champagne, either. obviously. Okay. Obviously, yes. <laughs> but like real champagne, um, right? Not like prosecco. Like not like a fake champagne. Not fake. If you but. don't, if you don't want to, if you don't want to spend the money on champagne, like in general, you should be spending above thirty five dollars on champagne. Anything less than that's probably going to be garbage. But if you don't want to spend the money on champagne, go for kava. Yes. Kava you can find for like 20 bucks. Um, or you could do something like a cremant. So in France, any sparkling that's made in the champagne method, but made outside of the region of champagne is called cremant. So cremant de Loire, cremant de Bourgogne, cremant de Lemieux, anything that's cremant is really delicious. And that's a good way to do it. Prosecco generally is really good, but it generally has a little bit of sweetness to it. And it's made in a different way. Mm. So it doesn't feel quite as celebratory. Prosecco is great for a brunch. If you're like mixing it with like orange juice and shit like that, then Prosecco Wait, great. I have one more. But I have one more. Okay, let's say you got yes. laid off from your job and it's a really yes. hard day and uh, and you're going to okay. probably drink like one to two bottles in the next 48 hours. What's the wine for that? <laughs> okay. All right. So, do, okay. In that, in that scenario, do you want to be really drunk or do you want it to like be like a slow, mellow climb? I would say low, slow. Mellow yeah. Y- yeah. Okay. Yourself, yeah. Into it. Okay. In that case, I go Beaujolais. Cru Beaujolais mm. would be, cause it's, it's got like a little pep in its step. So it's not so depressing, Okay, but it's also tends to be a little bit lower in alcohol, like around 12 and a half percent. You don't want to dive into like a Napa cap because that's going to be a sad state of affairs. Mm. And, your teeth are going to be really stained. You're going to be pissed off in the morning. You're probably going to spill it everywhere. Beaujolais is light, so it feels a little like Pinot. And like I said, it's got like a little like a little bubbliness to it. So it won't be. But don't get Beaujolais Nouveau, please. Spend the $25 on like a decent bottle of Beaujolais. Beaujolais Nouveau is going to taste like bubble gum, and that will make you sadder. Ooh, yeah. Get Beaujolais Nouveau. It's 25 bucks. It's lower alcohol. It's delicious. It won't stain your teeth as bad as like Cab. And it will take you through the all two bottles and all of the seasons of scandal, and you'll be much right. Happier you want to like it. forget about your that you got fired and or, you know laid off, yes. and you want to just kind of you're sad, so you want to have moments of crying, but you don't want to like full on go to the wall, you know? Yeah, crazy. Don't get too messy. Yeah, yeah, not. And you don't want something that's going to be too overwhelming. That's going to give you like palate fatigue. Yes. Like, I, you won't be bored of Beaujolais after a, a bottle. Like you'll be excited for the next one, <laughs> and you can also serve it chilled. This is such good advice. This is so Thank good. You. I yeah. hope you'll I've come back. I've never thought about this before i love this i would love to ellen any more any more while we have her any others we've got fired and we got uh quitting you know like both are uh, amazing in their own way i was laid off and then i never got another job outside of entertainment so you know what there you go five years baby (laughs) i love it five years yeah you know i shouldn't say never but you know 
right now. Uh, well, why are you taking to like your first like pre uh, post pandemic uh, <gasps> party? party? Ooh, ooh. I guess it depends um, on what they're serving. But well, yeah. okay. So actually, so I'm I'm going to a an anniversary party next weekend in Texas, and I like the pro that I am. I sent wine ahead of time. So ma- I'm what a, it's not the type of wine, it's Magnums. I'm so excited to be able to have large format bottles in my life again. Yes. So I sent all of the Magnums that were available in Wine Access, I sent all of them. So like the Massacon is in Magnum, Rosé in Magnum, Champagne in Magnum, like anything that had a Magnum is like Magnums. That's so, so fun. I don't think I've ever bought yeah. a Magnum. I want one now. Oh, it's more fun with Magnums. You'd be proud of me before we go. I used to never have any alcohol in my apartment. I just am not a big drinker and like I didn't keep it yeah. in my apartment. We, you know, we live in Williamsburg. We're, oh, I was always out at a show at stand up or whatever. Yeah. So we drank out. And uh, if my mom came over, we'd have to get wine because she likes to have it at home, you know, while she's doing her makeup. And, uh, and so <laughs> during the pandemic, then we started buying wine and then we were like, oh, we should get tequila. We should have now. Then we got the bar cart. Then we got these nice fancy Rydell glasses literally very nice. literally like built this throughout the pandemic our our you know drinking career it's so funny though because we had zero and now we have a full bar cart we have a wine rack it. we have wines we have stuff in the fridge we have glasses for everything we have rocks glasses you name it I can make you a cocktail now it's just Amazing. so what's your favorite cocktail to make oh I I mean I make margaritas the most I love That's my favorite drink. Um, But I've been making a lot of like old fashions or like a ginger old fashioned. Mm. Um, Yes. I used to bartend and you know what? It came in handy this year. It came back. I bet it did. I bet it did. Yeah. Yeah. People were drinking a lot. There was a lot of wine being sold. Um, My I was busy. this. I bet. I bet. Yeah. Well, this was so much fun. <laughs> Thank you so much, A, for the wines, B, for doing this. Uh, it's Oh, it was my pleasure. You're a dreamboat. I'm so happy you're here. and I'm so happy to be here. I can't believe we, like, finally reunited in this way. I know. It and now I want your phone time. number. I, I probably still have your phone number, but we're, if it's... It's the same. Yeah. Mine's the same, too. Okay, I'm going to text you because yeah. I'm going to text you and be like, what should I buy tonight? No. I'm going to text you and be like, thank you. I it. love you. Um, but this was so great. And to relive the new candlelight experience is just... Ugh. So I hope funny. it's still doing well. I do too. I hope it is. And I forgot to tell you, my, so I actually, and do you remember Stephanie Crow? Yeah. Who, yeah. So St- Steph and I ended up working together at Core Club and she moved up to New York. I got her, I got yes, to do her job. I, she I introduced her to Core Club. So yeah. So we worked together in New York. So my life has always sort of come full circle in that way. So candlelight never really. And I still me. talk to Mark. We, we see each other every so often and we, we connect that. still. Yeah. Oh, that's so nice. That. All right. Well, whenever I'm, I've never been to Napa. It's a dream of mine to come there. <gasps> and so I will hit you up as soon as I get out there. Please. I might be yeah, in the West the Coast best. sometime this fall. So if I am, I will for sure come out Good. and see you. Yeah. There's a lot of comedy out here and we're not too far from like the Sacramento club. Yeah. Uh, comedy club. So. Oh, I, it's my can, dream. I've never been. And I, I always love going. I want to. It's my dream to go and do like a full proper wine tasting trip. So one of these years, one of these Anytime. days. Yes. Yeah. Ellen, you too. You're always invited. Ellen loves I'm wine. So Ellen, let's I go to Napa wine. together. Wouldn't that be a fun? I'm, yeah, that would be so. Yeah. With you, Anna, that would be great. Yeah. We'd have a ball. We'd have a ball. All right. Maybe we'll do it. We'll do a couple. We'll do a week of episodes out in Napa. Um <laughs> There you go. You know, like Jimmy Kimmel goes to Brooklyn. We go to <laughs> unemployed show goes to Napa. Um, so fun. Where can everybody find you and listen to your podcast and see your content? 
Yeah, you can find me on Instagram and YouTube at Som Vivant. So S-O-M-M-V-I-V-A-N-T. And the podcast is called Wine Access Unfiltered. It is available wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram there as well. It's a great so, name. This too. is so much fun. So yeah. fun. Yeah. Uh, and we just talk to like people who aren't in the wine industry about wine. So like the Burke Kreischers of the world. I think I can probably, well, I probably shouldn't say it. We have a really, really, really famous musician coming on soon. Ooh. who's married to someone that everybody loves too. So I know who it is. I think I know who it is just do. from you saying that. Yeah. That's exciting. So, yeah. Stay tuned. Cause I'm like, I know who he's married to. Okay. A- anyway. Uh, yeah. My brain goes to one place. Okay. Um, that's it. That's the episode. I'll tell you off. I'll tell you offline. off air. Yes. Uh, guys, this is it. Please go follow Amanda. She's amazing. And I'm so proud of like, I feel like I'm proud of you. I'm proud of what you did. We came out of that barn oh, on top. I'm so proud of you too. Oh, thank you. Know, you know, uh, being a comedian, uh, I'd say a half a step up from a musical theater uh, star, <laughs> but you know what I mean? <laughs> You're out of the barn, Anna. You're doing I'm great out of things. The barn. Oh God, yes, um, guys. Please go back and you know listen to the other episodes. Don't forget to rate and review them. It's so small, but it helps so much. And uh, that's it. See you next time. Goodbye. Right now, I just want to take a moment to thank everybody who has supported our Patreon. This is your shout out right here from me. Tons of love. And if you haven't checked out our Patreon, all of our videos go up there. Sometimes I just write fun things because I feel like it. And it's just a really nice way to support us at Unemployed. And, you know, so we can keep this thing going. We do it for nothing. We do it for fun. We do it for you to listen to. So definitely check out the Patreon. And right now, huge shout out to our patrons, Bill Horton, Chi of Steel, Danielle McCartney, Lori Jackson, Jeannie Logan, we got Joe Galati, Chris Arneson, Jordan Lucero, Oscar Yuen, Ken Levin, and Vic Terry. Thank you so much. You have no idea how much it means to us, and I appreciate you, and I see you, and I love you. <laughs> <laughs>